Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here. Welcome to another My Quest for the Best Booster episode, consisting of a favorite part of the episode book on track one and a related tip, tool, or technique to help you in your business on track two. Let's dive in. Booster episode 23.3, Restoring Work Relationship Blunders. Today on track one, I'd like to share with you the five apology languages described in the book, Making Things Right at Work. Let me start by sharing that we're all making mistakes and messing up with others far more than we realize, myself included. Maybe we're making a joke at someone else's expense and thinking incorrectly that they'll laugh along. Maybe you've been puzzled by a team member who resists taking an assignment. Others know that he's leaving for another company and hasn't told you yet. Maybe you've left someone out of an announcement unintentionally because you were in a rush and didn't review before pressing send. That's where the apology languages come in from page 96 of Making Things Right at Work. Our first apology language is expressing regret. Some people most want you to say, I'm sorry, but that's not a complete sentence. It's important that we give details to convey we understand their feelings, how we've made them feel, sad, angry, frustrated, worried. They need to know that we understand their pain. Regret focuses on what you did or failed to do and how it affected the other person. They want some evidence that you realize how deeply you've upset them. For some people, this is the one thing they'll be listening for. They need to hear you express regret. Otherwise, they won't feel that your apology is sincere. Our second language is accepting responsibility. Some people most deeply want to hear the words I was wrong. Now, this is really hard for some people to say. Often our reluctance to admit wrongdoing is tied to our sense of self-worth. To admit that we're wrong is perceived as weakness. We may reason that only losers confess their mistakes. Intelligent people try to show that their actions were justified. We may admit that what we did or what we said was not the best, but for many customers, the most important part of an apology is hearing that they have been wronged. It's what convinces them that your apology is sincere. As one man said, I'm sorry is not enough. I want to know that they understand that what they did was wrong. Our third language of apology is making restitution or making amends. Some people really want us to ask them, what can I do to make this right? For them, talk is cheap. They want to see action that backs up your words. Our fourth apology language is planned change, saying, I'll take some specific steps, and then you name them, to prevent a recurrence. Some people want to hear us say what's going to be different going forward. They want to know that we've put some time and effort into making a better plan. When something doesn't work, we should tell them, here's a new insight I have about what went off track. I can't promise I won't make another mistake, but here's my best plan preventing us from ending up in this bad spot again. Our fifth and final language of apology is requesting forgiveness. Some people most want to be asked this question. Will you please forgive me? Now you may be thinking, I've never asked that question. That would never even pop into my head. But some people, through past experience or out of certain moral sense, for whatever the reason may be, may feel like they're stopping short of a true apology if we leave out that question. When we end our apology without asking for their forgiveness, they're often left wondering, why did you stop? In summary, the apology languages are Number one, expressing regret, saying I'm sorry. Number two, accepting responsibility, saying I was wrong. Three, accepting restitution, what can I do to make it right? Four is plan change, saying I'll take specific steps to prevent a recurrence. And five, requesting forgiveness, will you please forgive me? I hope hearing this will help you repair a relationship at work or outside of work that's been unintentionally stressed or damaged. It's helped me express my apologies more fully, and as a result, I'm getting better at not repeating the same mistakes. Listen to episode 383, where Dr. Paul White, one of the co-authors of Making Things Right at Work, Increasing Teamwork, Resolving Conflict, and Build Trust, discuss and I discuss other insights into improving your work relationships.
This is track two, where I want to offer you three types of missteps to assuming positive intent. The importance and value of assuming positive intent is unquestionable. The practice of doing so is easier said than done. My favorite metaphor for assuming positive intent is having your tires fully inflated so that when you go over bumps in the road, you're cushioned. In practice, it's tough to assume that everyone around you has positive intentions behind their actions, even what, especially when the results fall short. Let's focus on work relationships to exclude that driver on the freeway who darts in and out of traffic without signaling. Every city seems to have at least one. Here are three common business missteps that lead to deflating your API. Intent, motive, and value. Listen to these instances to help you find examples from your own experiences. Misperceiving intent. This is where you choose to think someone is not well-intentioned. Many years ago, a friend of mine asked a few of us to share which gemstone out of a collection of three we thought was the prettiest to help him in designing a ring for his significant other. Afterward, a colleague confided in me with some bitterness in her voice. I don't like that he asked my opinion about his stinking gems. He did that to rub my nose in the fact that no one ever did that for me. Number two, misperceiving motive. This is where you choose to assign a negative rather than positive motive to a colleague's actions or decisions. Bruce is gregariously vocal and outgoing. And at a poolside party, he called everyone together to sing happy birthday when he found out that it was a colleague's birthday. Afterward, she cried because she thought he was being mean and he was just being himself and amplifying what he thought was a happy occasion. Number three, misinterpreting value. This is where you devalue someone's contributions, usually in comparison to your own instead of accepting them independently. As a board member, I remember resenting one colleague who always asked for issues that were covered in the advanced materials to be explained during sessions. I thought she was being lazy and sometimes just asking for attention or for things to be broken down for her. Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you inferior without your permission. My advice is remember to assume positive intent and stay out of the drama. When you're judging others based on motive, intent, or value, you're often heading away from positive, respectful, supportive interactions. So use these as warning signals. Keep putting forward your API and avoiding these three leaks so you and your team have smooth travels and interactions ahead. I'm Bill Ringle, and that's a wrap for this Booster episode. This is Bill Ringle, host of My Quest for the Best and founder of Grow Business Now. Each week, I work with overwhelmed managers in privately held high-tech firms and help them become admired leaders who can grow and scale the business. Follow and connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter and let me know what parts of this booster episode that you found useful as an ambitious small business leader. I'm so glad you're here. You really make a difference.